This is the Nearside Low Podcast, brought to you by Missouri Water Polo. For all highlights, scores, and updates, please visit www.mowaterpolo.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at Nearside Low, or Instagram at Nearside Low underscore podcast. Near Side Low Podcast Season 3, Episode 2. Uh, and if you fast forward about 30 minutes, we've got a uh, special guest, Jeff Passwater. He's a assistant coach at McKendry. Um, so feel free to give that a listen. Uh, but we are going to jump into St. Louis High School water polo. Um, and of course, Ray, you were in Honduras, so I was man in the Twitter poll. And man, we got some responses. 59 votes, uh, which I think might be a record for us quite frankly. Um, and it looks like um, our questions of what, what were the new USA Water Polo Rules people um, were most excited about. And the goalie being able to cross half won with 34% of the votes. Um, and our second place was shooting after a fake on a free throw um, took second with 32%. Um, and unfortunately, I had to kind of smush all of those um, into the a particular character count. So I wanted you, because, you know, I'm a coach and I, I still don't know what's going on. Um, I wanted you to elaborate a little bit on the shooting after a fake on a free throw. You're telling me I could fake and then shoot? That, that, those will be the new rules, yeah. Obviously, as we talked about last week, uh, that these rules are not going to be in play for this high school season. So this high school season, if you get fouled, you have to shoot immediately. But uh, the new rule is going to allow that once you, once you get fouled, you can fake even then move like to the side and get off a shot. Definitely going to be uh, something that's going to add some stuff, uh, some strategic but changes. We to have the game. to stay outside the six meter for that, correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. Correct. All right. So again, not this high no. school season, uh, parents and coaches. Cause I know I'll rip my hair out screaming about it. It's not happening until maybe next year or two years from now. Right, right. So, um, and and I know you wanted to mention. Uh, looks like uh, Miguel uh, is obviously very involved at the USA Water Polo National uh, level, and they played by these new rules. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, the ODP National Championships uh, for the boys were uh, last weekend, March first through third. Uh, the girls are this coming weekend, uh, March fifteenth through seventeenth. They were playing with these new rules, and I was talking to Miguel about it. Sounds like it definitely changed some some things up. He was noting that he really liked the corner throw rule, which wasn't even one of the ones that we uh, had an option, or it was one of the ones we had an option on. But the fact yeah, that Ray, I'll be honest, you know, I'm a coach, but I didn't have any idea what you were talking. What you were talking about when you sent me that, so I said like, I'll post it. So maybe you could enlighten our listeners. Now the ball is going to be live on a corner throws that allows for the player with the corner throw to get the ball right away and move toward the goal and shoot if he wants to or make some sort of other pass. The fact that he's live there prevented goalies and defenses from kind of just disrespecting him and go guarding him in the else middle. Cool. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, That's good. That'll be uh, interesting. So, cool. Yeah. But uh, uh, it was so, great. To, it was great to hear. There were, there were 12 boys from uh, St. Louis area that were out there last weekend. One girl, Gretchen Hoff from Lindbergh will be out there uh, next weekend. So it's great to see a lot of St. Louis participation in the ODP national championships. And uh, we'll be excited to hear how things go. Uh, so that leads us into our new question of the week. And we will put a Twitter poll about it. Uh, Ray, I'll let you take that one because you came up with it. Poll this week is just going to ask, would you rather start to play games before your spring break, during your spring break, or after your spring break? So uh, this year, the schedule is kind of 
wonky because some teams start playing games really this week before their spring breaks, and so they're going to get in a number of games in the next next three weeks uh, versus some teams don't even play a game at least for another two weeks till after their spring break. So uh, there's going to be teams with a, a large difference in the number of games they've played. Just any, any uh, impression on when you would like your team to start playing games. Yeah, give us give us a vote. Let's uh, so let's see if we can top that fifty nine, um, and we will post that to Twitter. Uh, obviously, pretty quickly after we uh, release the podcast, um, and that takes us into our recap of games. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, start off here. Uh, we ha- hosted the we call it the Longhorn JV Classic, but we like to call it at West High the Cowbell Invitational. Uh, originally, it was an eight team tournament, but due to the multiple snow days. Um, and some other fa- factors. I think there were a couple teams. They have enough players to field teams, but they were not eligible um, to play on that particular Friday night. So we were down to six teams, um, which was totally fine. Um, we kind of re- reworked it, and we had a round robin, and then obviously ended up in a, a championship. Parkway West won, um, so congratulations to them. Um, I think, ha- you know, having watched some of the games, um, I think it could have been any of the, the big three that were there, uh, Slew, Lindbergh, and West. I think Slew and Lindbergh, um, Slew beat Lindbergh 3-2, to two. Um, and I think there was a point in the game with Slew and West where it was 3-2 maybe in the second or third quarter. Um, I know they kind of pulled away towards the end, but I felt like, uh, again, any of those three teams could have could have ended up on top uh, with Ledoux being a, a pretty close fourth. So um, competitive games, a lot of big teams. Um, Oakville, Parkway South were also there. Um, just a lot of bodies. Uh, which was awesome to see. A lot of girls, um, which we talked about last week, which I think was pretty cool. The new referee headsets came in. A big thanks to Missouri Water Polo and the Griffins, who kind of helped. Um, I know we were in Chicago last year, and I noticed that some of the rest were in headsets. Finally arrived, and it looked like um, our two referees used them. Um, I think it's it's a good tool um, for training and just, you know, to kind of keep an eye on things. So I'm pretty excited about those being there. So all in all, it was a uh, it was a it was a pretty good weekend. And I'm hoping that the uh, West uh, JV invite kind of becomes a kind of a kickoff to uh, the water polo season uh, as we as we progress. And I know there was one other team in action over the weekend. And Ray, I hear you've got the inside scoop on that. So uh, Parkway South was up in Chicago playing at the Schaumburg Quad. Uh, they played against uh, Libertyville, Schaumburg, and Hinsdale South. All kind of middle-of-the-level teams in Chicago. None of them are ranked in the top 20. But uh, it was great to see Parkway South getting to go up north and play in Chicago. They blew out all three of those teams. Uh, beat Libertyville 17-2, to Schaumburg 14 to nothing. Hinsdale South, 18-1. to Lafayette will be going up to uh, Chicago this coming weekend, and we'll get to play a few of those teams once again. As I said, great great start to the season for Parkway South. Uh, excited to see them play some games in the St. Louis area. Still too early for any uh, STL Today or West County News Magazine articles, so we don't have much in the water pool in the news. Uh, fast break forum. Again, it's been kind of dead. Uh, big thanks to whoever, uh, I don't know, Skippy Halo, who uh, who made a couple posts there at the end, but it doesn't look like anyone's responded. Um, but I, I was kind of thinking after hearing about Parkway South up in Chicago, uh, the Terzik brothers, Marco and Alec, I think Alec is a freshman, I think, and Marco is a senior. Is that right, Ray? 
Uh, that's correct. Right. And so I was thinking about what are some other great brother tandems that have like played together because they've been close enough in age um, that that have come through St. Louis. And so I thought about the MDs at West and the Griffins and the Piles at West. Um, I know I mentioned maybe the Hefners at SLU. Um, and Ray, you had put down Kerbers and the Casey brothers and the Baudin Distals and, and some others. So unfortunately, you know, I played high school in 96 to 2000. So my, my memory doesn't go that far back. But uh, we're hoping that maybe some people could post on the STL Today. Uh, prep sports forum uh, maybe some great brother tandems that played together high school water polo it's a polo thing if you're out there we'd love to hear from you um, so maybe that'll generate some uh, some discussions um, for fun um, and that leads us into we had a very important I think it was released on Tuesday or Wednesday um, by um, our favorite Dave Jimenez who puts together the the Missouri water polo top 10 and Ray because you're my data guy, I know you've got this. Take it away. The preseason top 10 came out uh, last week. Uh, really excited to see where teams are going to fall. In the initial rankings, SLU was ranked number one, Parkway West at two, the Smet was number three, Parkway South was number four, Lindbergh was at five, Ledoux at six, MICDS at seven, Kirkwood at eight, Marquette at nine. Parkway Central at 10. No no real surprises in that top Ray, 10. Ray, I, I, I want to be honest. I think there might be a typo there. I think that's a 12 next to Parkway West, not a 2. I just want to <laughs> oh, throw God. that out there. <laughs> I know. I, I think I got that right, Coach. But, uh, yeah, no no real surprises in the top 10 there. But uh, it's going to get – starting this week, we've got a 2-3 matchup, Parkway West against the Smet. Uh, right away, we're going to see how these rankings match up. As we talked about last week a little bit on the podcast, a number of these teams in the top 10 could easily find themselves in the top four or in the state championship game at the end of the season just due to a lot of the parity we're seeing this year. So great to see the first poll out, and we'll see how this changes over the coming weeks. Right, and you can always view that poll at uh, mowaterpolo.com, and I, I'm pretty sure Dave does a pretty good job of getting it out every week. And that leads, Ray, you already kind of mentioned it, upcoming tournaments and games for that we are looking forward to this week. You mentioned the 12 versus the 3, uh, <laughs> Parkway West versus DeSmet, which is going on tomorrow. I think that's our first game for both of us, um, which will be pretty exciting. Um, I've heard, obviously, really good things about DeSmet. Um, they were a great great team last year so that should be a pretty good game um later on in the week i know we are traveling to the fenwick tournament up in chicago our first game is at 5 30 um we're playing curie uh c-u-r-i-e who i think according to illpolo.com is ranked number 20 in the um chicago area but i think it's kind of early um up there to kind of determine who's who um that being said though the traditional powerhouses lions naperville central stevenson and obviously fenwick they're all going to be there so um, my hope is that we've got a great match up against Curie and that we will get to get to face a Lions or a Naperville Central or Stevenson or Fenwick at some point while we are um, while we were up there. Are there any other tournaments or games that you are thinking about, Ray? You mentioned the Smet Parkway West is Monday, uh, so depending on when you're listening to this, uh, Monday, March 11th. Uh, also on Monday, March 11th, you've got Ledoux against Lindbergh. Uh, at Lindbergh, that is a five against six. Should be a good game there. And then uh, Thursday, you've got Parkway Central against Parkway South. Always a good rivalry there. A few of the other games, I, CBC was supposed to play Marquette, but uh, as, as you mentioned earlier, there's been a couple of changes to the schedule this week due to the number of snow days and the number of sick days people have had, um, just not having enough not, not having enough practice days before before games. So make sure before you're heading out to some of these games, you uh, check the schedule to make sure that they're Still happening. Great to see Polo kicking off this week. Next week, everybody is off. 
And then after that, we're going to be right back into the thick of things on March 25th. Full swing, full swing, baby. So, team of the week, um, against my better judgment, uh, Ray said that we should do this. I said, no way. Uh, but Parker, <laughs> Parker West JV won the Cowbell Classic, so it'll probably be one of the first and only times we will have a JV team as team of the week. But congratulations to Brian Welch on his win. Uh, pretty exciting for him. And I think that pretty much wraps it up for this week. Ray, you got anything you want to add? Yeah, I think this is the first time that we've uh, awarded it to a JV team. It probably will be the last uh, this, this high school season. Ah. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to give a Parker shout West out Homer. to uh, longtime listener uh, Brian Welch. So it uh, sounds like it was great to see great to see close JV games. Yeah, and I think exciting. that's indicative of what we're going to see for uh, the rest of the season, especially there at the top. I know Lindbergh was right there as well from – Oh, what totally. I heard, and there's a few other JV Grow teams, the so, sport. Uh, Grow the sport. Grow, that's what we're <laughs> going to start chanting. Pretty exciting. If you stick around for, I don't know, another 10 or 15 seconds, you will hear our interview with Jeff Passwater. We hope you enjoy. Um, again, please say hello to Ray and I poolside. Um, we are there, and we love to hear from the fans. Um, and we will hopefully, Ray's back in town. Hopefully you'll hear from us week to week uh, from now on. Um, this is Charlie. This is Ray. And this is the Nearside Low Podcast signing off. All right, and here we are with our special guest on the Nearside Low podcast for uh, Season 3, Episode 2, Jeff Passwater, um, who is currently an assistant coach at McKendry College. Um, and so, Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Great to be here. We are so glad you guys are doing this. Yeah, yeah. We, are, we are excited to have you. Um, and so like we like to do with all of our uh, with all of our podcasters, if you wouldn't mind giving us a, a brief introduction. Um, I know we talked a little bit before the podcast about where you played high school ball. Um, and yeah. then it sounds like uh, you, you, you've traveled across the country a little bit. So if you could give us a little one to two minute uh, intro, that'd be great. Basically, I grew up in St. Louis. I attended Lafayette High School. I, I swam my whole life, but my junior year, they started a water polo team. Um, they had the pool and everything, and um, we were all swimmers. We were all bored, so it made sense. Um, we um, kind of got after it. We had no idea what we were doing, so I played one season there and then played Daisy that next summer, and then I was a little bit better my senior year yeah that was my my kind of my st louis um experience was a couple years and and of course going to the clayton tournament in the summers and, and getting um kind of terrified of the monsters that were in the water and uh <laughs> just i mean it was so much fun going and and watching those guys interact and it kind of really uh started this belief that water polo is this lifelong sport and no matter where you end up and i've ended up in a lot of places water polo can be this common connection you know whether you're 23 and just out of college or 50 or you know it, it can just lead you down all sorts of roads and make all sorts of social contacts for you so then post high school did you play in college or i did not uh play varsity in college i went to purdue i was Looking at playing varsity, but I was a little light on experience, only a couple of years, right? So I went to Purdue. I, I had the club experience. The nice thing about club is they're all kind of, I guess, student-run and student-supported. So if you want it to happen, you make it happen. So there was good experiences there. Uh, at some point, you headed out to the East Coast, right? Yeah. So if you 
kind of fast forward to 2011, um, St. Louis was, I was in sales. I, I hadn't done anything in water polo for a couple of years, actually. I had hurt my knee. I had stopped going to master's practice. My post-college life was master's twice a week for a few years here and there, you know. 2011, I moved to Orlando. I found a job and I started going to master's practice again just to make social contacts. That kind of led into getting more and more involved. And I started coaching a high school. I started coaching YCF water polo. Um, the high school I coached was West Orange High School here in Orlando and kept growing and growing in my involvement. And before you knew it, I had stopped my day job and was coaching full time. It was during that time that I met some pretty influential people. Of course, uh, Felix Mercado, who's the head coach at Brown, was uh, one of those. I met Felix, I guess I would manage these camps um, that he would run in Central Florida, for Central Florida, that featured Merrill Moses, Brenda Villa, Heather Petrie, uh, Betsy Armstrong, her husband, Chris Vidal, who's now the head coach at Marist. So I would kind of manage these camps, made sure these guys got paid. Felix led the camps proper, um, but I would kind of shuttle them around town, make sure they had fun, make sure that there were plenty of kids at the camp, that kind of thing. So when it kind of became time to kind of see if I could legit coach full time, uh, Felix was my first phone call. We agreed that even though I had started playing water polo in 1994, and this is now 2015, all of that experience added up to after for a difficult negotiation, we arrived at the salary of zero dollars, and uh, <laughs> we basically said college is a different game, you know, and uh, and and it, it it completely is. Knowing what I know now, I of course know that he said, "Yeah, you can come up, you work odd jobs, you can be my volunteer, you can be at every practice, you can travel to every tournament, we'll feed you and put you up anytime we travel." But come on up, let's see how bad you want. To do this, you know, let's make yourself a and uh, so that was it was it was a pretty humbling moment, and at the same time, it was a pretty amazing offer when you think of it. Felix's program there is it is it was my introduction to big time water polo. It's just this massive program. They have an idea for a training trip or a game they want to go play in California. California, they can afford to do all that stuff. And so it was this introduction into this this big time water polo, uh, essentially, for, for lack of a better term. So then how and many they, how many how many years were you at Brown with Felix? Uh, I was at Brown for two seasons. Okay. Um, it was a women's season and a men's season. And it turned out that that, that men's season, the women's season and, and men's season at Brown, I, I kind of got my feet wet with college with seeing what kind of preparation and things went into practice. I, I attended my first six on five meeting. And so when you're when a guy that like I'd spent most of my life in business, so when you see like in your Microsoft Outlook inbox, like you have a six on five meeting, that's that's a pretty <laughs> cool experience, right? Right, um, right. You know, it's it's not, you know, a sales meeting. It's a six on five meeting. And so I got to do all these big time things, you know, so I, I tried to be this fly in the wall. If we were hosting a tournament, I got there at 5 a.m. I tried to be the last one to leave. Felix would never allow me to be the last one to leave because he was always the last one to leave. No, Felix uh, really gave me this amazing opportunity. So, so, then, after, so, so from Brown, yeah. then you went straight across the country to Pacific. Is that right? Yeah. So Felix 
it's called, and he's friends with James Graham. James Graham was, I'd seen his videos on YouTube about analytical water polo, um, about the statistics that he had done. And so I said, sure. If, and I interviewed and again, got the job. And less than a week later, I was driving across the country. So pretty intense environment. You know, Pacific, there were Olympians on that team. You know, James had coached Olympians, uh, a, a bajillion All-Americans, Catino Award winners and finalists. And he had been in a national championship game in 2013. So as I was, as my three and a half, four-day drive out there, I'm thinking of all this stuff, thinking, what have I gotten myself into? Because I'm, again, I'm just a dude from St. Louis that I fell in love with this thing and wanted to see how far I could push it. You know, I had gone from being a fly in the wall, like at, at Brown, to this this level of water polo that I legitimately did not conceive could happen. Uh, right, right. So pretty high level stuff. So yeah. Uh, so you and obviously we're at McKendry now. We'll jump on that in a little bit. But sure. you had mentioned as you were driving across the country, uh, you mentioned uh, the use of like saber metrics. Um, yeah. And that, that yeah. is something that, as a, as a high school coach, um, I have wondered a lot about because obviously it's big in baseball um, yep. and obviously basketball now and stuff like that. So I, I know that James Graham was big. At least that's what I have heard about sabermetrics and water polo. Um, it, it, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Is this something you feel is going to continue to grow within the sport? Um, do you know, is USA water polo focusing on this stuff? Is this something that I, as a high school coach, or Ray, as a you know a high school club coach? Um, is it something that is practical at the high school level, um, or is it just we need we need fancy computers and some high level data people to to analyze this? No, you uh, you don't need fancy computers at all. It's statistics and and keeping statistics. It's this was this was my first experience with it, and I think there's absolutely a place for it in your league or whatever you're you're trying whatever league you're trying to win. There's tendencies for players, for coaches, for games, for referees, for centers, for center defenders. Um, there's tendencies. And if you keep track of certain things, you can find those tendencies and you can kind of use those things. The big one at Pacific, and this is one that kind of led to a kind of a funny exchange actually between Felix and James on one of those videos, was... You know, James had decided based on this data, and this is not protected data. I learned a lot of things. I worked really hard to learn a lot of things when I was out there. And, and it, I mean, it, it, it's, it's very secretive. And, uh, but one of the things was centers, when they get the ball, they score 12% of the time. And so a lot of times, especially in college, coaches tell that center defender if the center touches the ball you take a kick out right you sink the guy because that guy because we've been taught that you know center center's big. gonna score yeah exactly right and it turns out that 12 percent of the time they actually score six on fives score almost 40 percent of the time so and that was the data he collected that was from his insanely high mpsf data and international water polo so I think it kind of applies, right? It's you have bigger centers and better goalies in college, but in high school, it's probably close numbers because you have smaller centers, you know, but not necessarily as skilled defenders or goalies. You can you can kind of see where I'm going with this. If you track different things in your league, and you don't just have to keep goals and assists on your stat sheet, right? 
you can pick anything you want to keep track of. So if center shots versus center goals is something you want to keep track of and six on five shots versus six on five goals is something you want to keep track of, then you can learn from this. Obviously, in addition to sabermetrics, uh, working with both Felix and, and James, two of the premier coaches in college water polo, yeah. uh, I'm sure you learned a number of other things. What, what were some of the main things you learned about coaching from working with them? I, I learned from Felix would absolutely have a smile on his face at 5 a.m., at 5 p.m., at 10 p.m. The, the, the players that play for Felix are very, very intelligent people. They're at an Ivy League school. And they know and appreciate, uh, and they know and appreciate the staff and how dedicated the staff is. And that was one thing where I kind of learned that when I was coaching high school, it kind of felt like steering a ship without a rudder. Sometimes you're just kind of shouting, you're just kind of making noise, and it's it's kind of okay to kind of back off the accelerator a little bit and make sure that the players are on board with you and kind of the direction of everything and make sure that we're all kind of going basically in the same direction. You don't need that only the accelerator pedal. You can have the brake pedal as well. I learned that from Felix. The thing that I learned from James is that it's you can absolutely wake up every day and spend 16 hours a day looking at video. And you're going to find a lot of answers if you do that. I don't necessarily know if that was the right thing for me. It like, like I said, it was an intense environment. And there was this me against the world thing, this vibe going on. It's, it's us against the world. It's David and Goliath. Because Pacific beats Pac-12 teams all the time. And, uh, you know, they, they've got wins against SC, Stanford, UCLA, Cal. It's pretty cool when they do that because that just kind of that that fits in with just about any, anything you would be excited about in sports, right? Is David versus Goliath? Who's going to go beat you know this team this year? Which which underdog can can beat this? And um, so I think he taught me that you where there's a will, there's a way. He chose analytics to get him there. I think analytics is a brilliant way of going about it because it's worked in literally every other sport. And how how often do you think of a game after you've coached it or after you've watched a game? And let's say you're reviewing in your head, like on your drive home, like a state title game or something, a conference championship game. And you're just going, I, I kind of think, I kind of have this feeling that our six on five could have been better. Or I kind of have this feeling that our center could have done better. He basically took all that guesswork and the feelings and that kind of thing out of it. And, I mean, the other the other big thing that I learned being in college, and I learned this from both guys, is you don't necessarily need, you don't need to know a large number of drills. You do need to be good, however, I think, at identifying an issue with your team and then maybe being innovative enough to invent a drill that solves that problem. Does that make sense? Yes, and, and I have, you know, kind of listening to you talk about Felix and James, I find it interesting. And it sounds like, obviously, styles of coaching are a little bit different, but both guys are pretty pretty successful. And, and I don't know, Ray, if you would agree with me, but in my younger years, i got to come up with a drill. i got to have a new drill. i got to have a drill. we got to drill this. we got to drill that. And, and as I've gotten a little bit older, I, I take the old adage of, of KISS, keep it simple, stupid. And there, there are certain drills that I will just use over and over again during the season because I think they're important. I've got about three passing drills that we do on a, on a regular basis over and over and over again um, because I feel like if we get good at them, we're going to be okay. Ray, do you, you think 
agree with that or no i i, I completely agree with that um i, th- I mean i, I think as I, if i've gotten to see various coaches coach i think some of the better ones i've seen have same sort of philosophy so you know speaking of felix and james obviously felix is on the east coast i'm not sure where where he came from exactly and james has been on the west coast and i'm not sure where he came from exactly but did you notice uh like differences in styles of play from like east coast water polo to west coast water polo yes in a way there's a lot of athletes from california on the east coast okay and and they're there yeah i mean you know that obviously there's there's a lot of athletes from the Midwest and East Coast out in Yeah, right. yeah, sure. So I would say that in, in California, I think it's just the, the level of pressure. There's something to be said for playing a game outside at night under the lights at, mm-hmm. the, like, the, at an, at one of these, you know, of one of a like hundred. Texas and, football. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Like, in like, regards to, yeah. For sure. And, and it's, it, like, under, under these great big stadiums, you know, like Stanford's facility, they've got, I don't know, 15 pools, it seems like. And, and, and when you've got, you know, a couple hundred, 300, maybe a thousand fans there. And again, I'm, I'm just a guy filming this stuff. I was hired as a video analyst. Uh, I, I'm filming this stuff and I'm in the crowd and I'm got chills for about two hours before and after each game. And I can't imagine, uh, sometimes I can't imagine what it's like down and feeling that thunder. So I think that it's just the the pressure. I think the perimeter might be a a little bit heavier out west, but the center play six on fives, everything is 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 very similar. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, so Jeff, now you're now you're back in McHenry. Uh, came back yeah. this last this last fall. Talk a little bit about what drew you back to McHenry. What excites you about their program and uh, some of the exciting things you have happening uh, there this year. Yeah, the opportunity for McHenry came up. I guess the the summer after I, w- I was done at, at Pacific, and I I got to I guess c- kind of have extended conversations with Colleen about this position. I'd spoken with her about water polo and stuff before, but we'd never really met, coached together, anything like that. So Coach Miguel suggested that she call me. Felix suggested that she call me, and we I, I was granted an interview, and she selected me, and uh, I was honored because coming back, that one of the reasons I, you know, I really wanted to do this was to make water polo better in St. Louis. That's kind of um, it's kind of a dream. I just I just want to grow. Oh, and I just want to make it better. I want more schools, more pools, and um, so you know, I was I was moving the next week. And uh, it's there's kind of a theme here. You just kind of jump in your car and go, I guess. Um, right. But I I really do love every day at McKendry. I I believe in what Colleen and I are are trying to build there, what we are building there, and what we're doing for St. Louis water polo. And we won our conference this uh, the first year that Colleen was in charge of the guys. She goes out and wins wins our conference, the MAWPC West. We Earlier in the season, we had lost, taken a, a pretty bad loss to Gannon, and we met them in the semifinal of this conference tournament and beat them. And the next day, we uh, went up against Salem, and we beat them. So we got to jump in the pool our first year together, and it was it was a, a very it was it was a unique experience coming back by as many goals as we had lost to Gannon. Gannon was undefeated when we when we were able to get by him. 
I mean, Colleen is obviously a, an extremely gifted coach. She's an extremely gifted person in general, but her her work ethic, the things that she's gone through there, are, makes it pretty special. It really makes every day special. And um, I've learned from her every single second we're on the deck together. I mean, it's and, – and we're obviously having some success. Um, and that's it's really, really cool for the, for the players and for us. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been exciting to see a school like McHenry from our area uh, and having the success you guys had this fall, and I'm sure uh, that will be coming with uh, the girls' season and future events as well. So given that, yeah. given that uh, this is your first time back in the area yeah. at least a decade, talk yeah. a little bit about your impression of water polo in the area. I know you got to work with SLAP a little yeah. bit this winter. Your impression of water polo, not only at the college level, but uh, also at the high school level, how it's changed since when you were here. Sure. There's a lot more clubs now, and I think that's a good thing. Um, back when it was, you know, it, there was Daisy. Uh, Dave Miller had just started his club. Um, Gators. Yeah. Gators. Yeah. Gators, South County. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> there's, I mean, it's, it, there's, there, and there's more water, there's more scrimmages, there's more league games. It, we literally went to two or three tournaments a year, and back in 1993, I guess, uh, when I was at Daisy. Um, so the fact that, you know, the amount of games has gone from 15 games a season, maybe to 40 or 50 is really special. It might be more than that. It's, I'm talking club games. Um, when you add in high school games, it's probably 75 games. So is there, is it different? Yeah. My, my impressions of St. Louis water polo were like Andy Kuhn. Like, and, and uh, you know, the, Kevin Kerber, and I was lucky enough, Craig O'Connell transferred from USC to to Purdue, and I got to play with him for a couple of years. And Parkway, he was the Parkway so South good. Patriot, I think. That's Woo. correct, yes. <laughs> and, and he saw some playing time under Jovan. And, and like, it's, the, there was, that was my impression. And, and I saw, and I played with, Kevin O'Sullivan and Mike Zimmerman and Peter Clifford and some of these guys that when you when you look back and you're a kid and you're looking up at these guys you're kind of awestruck and so now as a coach you kind of look at the kids and you think who's who's going to be this next I is it is it better necessarily I I think it is in a number of ways it's just there's just a wider a base of teams and more certainly more players and we have in our area a, a legit national team coach in Miguel. And I love Miguel. Miguel was, you know, he's the nicest guy on the planet. He's obviously an amazing coach because USA Water Polo sends him to Europe every summer to represent our country, right? And we're so, so from that aspect, it is certainly a lot better. But man, like, Kerber was good. Andy Kuhn was amazing. Um, so, you know, I liked both uh, both eras, I would say. Right. Cool. If that makes sense. So are we, uh, as we kind of come to close here, sure. high school season, uh, we had a big JV tournament this past weekend, and uh, I think varsity level uh, stuff kicks off tomorrow. Are we going to see you poolside at all this high school season? Oh, I hope so, yeah. I'm going to be watching games, and I'm okay. probably going to be be talking to some athletes so i mean okay we 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 at mckendry we need to uh we've got some st louis kids over at mckendry now and we want to grow that like we're certainly right. 
interested in the talent in St. Louis. So, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to be there. Uh, Ray, you got anything else? I do not. You do not. All right, Jeff, we appreciate you coming on the Nearside Low podcast. Uh, this is Charlie. This is Ray. And we are signing off.